and status. Welcome to another daily devotion. It is my hope that uh, you've been enjoying this year going through the New Testament uh, in, in the course of a year. Today we are going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Hopefully you watched yesterday's introduction. Uh, we're going to be coming up, closing up the New Testament here fairly soon. Uh, we have uh, two months left, so yeah, we're almost we're almost done. Um, today we're going to be talking specifically about prayer. Uh, we're going to be talking about gathering together, um, and so we're going to be talking about kind of the rules that go along with that. Uh, and I want to sort of um, just forewarn you that there are things in this chapter that make a lot of people upset uh, because it doesn't go well with their current behavior or theology uh, and that's that's totally fine the bible is here to refine all of us into what god wants and so today we're going to submit ourselves to him and so let's uh, jump right in verse one first of all uh, i urge that petitions prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Uh, now, I think it's important that we pause there because everyone includes people that we like, people we don't like. Uh, it's important for us to recognize that uh, there will be people we would prefer not to pray for, uh, to petition the Lord for. Uh, when it says petitions, uh, that word there has the connotation uh, of begging. Uh, we're begging the Lord for blessing on their behalf, for their salvation, um, interceding on their behalf, and thanking God for them. Like, you need to have thanksgiving for everyone. Think about it like this. Um, actually, let's read the next one, and then we'll, we'll go on. For kings and all those who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So like, think about it like this, because this is something that I think a lot of people have a hard time with. Um, you know, regardless of which political party you tend to align with um, within America, think about it like this, that, that Paul is saying that he urges us to pray, to intercede, to give thanks, to have petitions made for everyone that includes all of those in authority, uh, kings, or you could say in our case, presidents, uh, because he's a part of everyone. So like President Biden, uh, we need to be praying and thanking God for President Biden, which for some people is a stretch. In the same way when President Trump was in, in office, for some people they were stretched having to pray and give thanks for him. Um, the point of praying, the point of interceding uh, for these people, for those, especially for those in authority, is so that we may lead a tranquil and godly uh, and quiet life. Sorry, tranquil and quiet life. Does anybody know what the word tranquil means? If you do, go ahead, put that in the comment section. Tranquil, uh, T-R-A-N-Q-U-I-L, uh, and then we'll see uh, how many of you guys are right. So here we go. 
it says free from disturbance, calm. So a calm and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Uh, does anybody know what dignity uh, is? Uh, it's a state of quality, a state or quality of being worthy of honor or respect, composed or serious in manner or style, uh, a sense of pride in oneself or self-respect. I think of the one that seems to be um, what he's trying to say is a state or quality of being worthy of honor or respect. Uh, so he wants you to have honor and respect uh, while leading a tranquil and quiet life uh, in all godliness. So he wants you to be like God. Uh, and the way that you can do this, part of it, is by praying and giving thanks, interceding on the behalf of those in authority. Um, so let's keep going. He said, this is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So this is important. First off, uh, a, a huge doctrinal truth is that God wants everyone to be saved. So pray uh, for the salvation of those in authority. Pray that Joe Biden is saved. Pray that Kamala Harris is saved. Uh, pray that Donald Trump would be saved. Pray that President Obama would be saved. Sorry, I should have put president and vice president for those other ones. I, I'm, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Um, so pray, pray that like our mayors and our governors are saved. Like, even the ones like, uh, is it Governor Newsom, Mayor Newsom? Uh, like the ones that clearly are off the rails. Uh, we need to be praying for all of these guys. Like, pray for every single governor in Illinois because they all seem to get arrested for doing illegal activity. Um, so pray, 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 pray for all of them to come to a saving knowledge of the truth. God wants them to be saved. Jesus died for them to be saved. Uh, in, in fact, uh, it, that's what he says next. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Uh, a testimony at a, the proper time. Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. He died, bled on the cross, rose again, so that guys that we disagree with politically can be saved. It uh, doesn't matter which party you align with. Jesus died so that everyone can be saved. And so we need to make sure that we're praying for those people, giving thanks for them, begging God on their behalf to save them. Uh, and so let's, uh, let's go on to verse 7. He says, I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Uh, and then he, he's going to begin... Um, now, keep in mind, this is an instruction. This is a letter to a, a guy who has been left responsible for churches, uh, so to speak, in an area. And so he's overseeing a community of believers. And so the instructions that are coming next uh, are specific to, here's a guy, this is how I want you to lead God's churches uh, in this particular area. And so he says, therefore... Uh, and keep in mind, if you read it like this without the division, he says, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, 
and a teacher of the Gentiles in the faith and truth. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray. In other words, he's saying, because I have the authority from God to say what I'm about to say. Therefore, I want every man, men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Um, you, you know, I love there. There used to be a song where it was called "Give Us Clean Hands," and they would say, "We bow our hearts, we bend our knees." Uh, something, uh, Lord, Lord, make us humble. And then the chorus goes something like, "Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our soul to another." And, and it's this idea that like when we lift our hands to the Lord in prayer, that uh, our hands are clean, so to speak, that our hands are holy, that they're set apart, uh, that they have been consecrated, uh, that we're not just coming in with arguments, with, with anger. And when it says anger, it's talking about unrighteous anger. Uh, this is not talking about people who are angry at sin. This is talking about people who are, are probably had a fight with their wife uh, over something dumb, like who uh, put dirty towels on the, the clean towel rack, something like that. Uh, you know, this is talking about keeping ourselves holy uh, and pure uh, without anger or argument. And we, we pray with our hands lifted. Uh, this is something that is important. Um, I'm not sure that this is common in most or like you see during worship maybe people lifting their hands but Paul here is saying in all the churches which includes ours uh, that uh, this is the way that that he wants us to pray with our hands lifted so the best thing we can do probably if you are a man and you don't pray that way uh, is to do that from now on, uh, that we should pray with our hands lifted. And so uh, maybe when uh, when I'm praying, if, if you see me without my hands lifted, maybe this is giving you um, the ability to say, hey, hey man, holy hands, dude. Uh, so then he goes on to say this, also the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing. Uh, now I did a little bit of digging and it, it does, sometimes when you see the women, like in First Corinthians, um, where he says, like, your women should be silent, like it's actually saying wives. Uh, this does not seem to be what's happening here. Um, now, I could be wrong, but I could not find evidence for that. Um, so, you know, if you have it, share it. Uh, also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing, uh, with decency and with good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, or expensive apparel, but with good works as is proper for women who profess to worship God. Now, obviously, good works aren't clothing. So you still have to wear clothing. Uh, I think that what's important here is, is just this, uh, that your heart behind what you wear and why you wear it matters to the Lord. Uh, that if you're a woman, like, I, I once I, I heard uh, a lady talking to her daughter and she was saying something along the, along the lines of, when you dress, are you dressing to be attractive or to attract? Uh, are you dressing in such a way that you're trying to get attention from other people, from guys, are you, or from 
the praise of other women, like, you know, are you wearing this particular outfit so that people will notice your outfit at church and be like, oh, I'm so, you know, like, why are you wearing what you're wearing? Or are you wearing what you're wearing in order to honor the Lord? Uh, and that's, that is important. Um, what you wear is as important, so to speak, to the Lord as why you're wearing it. Uh, he says, in modest clothing. Like, I don't think, I've, I've heard the argument, a lot of Amish uh, mean, think that this word means that it has to be totally plain, like you can't have uh, shirts with prints on it or anything like that. It has to be plain, just, you know, solid colors, but that's what it's talking about. Um, I, I think C.S. Lewis uh, refers to this as just clothing that is appropriate. Uh, and that varies, uh, especially in, in C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, he talks about how that modesty, uh, it varies depending on the culture you're in. And that is absolutely true. When we lived in Arizona, we had uh, people that would get upset with us because um, in the youth group, we were telling people like, look, um, I'm, I'm not sure that what you are wearing is appropriate or modest. Uh, and we had parents say, like, look, like, you come from the Midwest, people dress differently there. Uh, they were saying that because where we live, uh, it is common for people to wear more clothes because it's colder. Um, but in the summer, people, you know, walk around in uh, bikinis and stuff like that here, too. Uh, but there, uh, it's very hot all the time. Um, and what I think is, is funny is that when I was working there, I was landscaping, and they would tell us, you, you need the more of your body you cover, the better and cooler you will be, uh, because it will keep the sun off of you, which is the hardest part. And yet, you see people there wearing much, much less than normal on an ongoing basis. Uh, but again, it's, it's the question is, why are you wearing what you're wearing? Uh, is your intention to attract attention to you? Or is your intention to attract attention to the Lord? Uh, and that's, I think, where we need to filter things. Uh, not so much, can I wear this or can I not wear this? But who is this going to draw attention to? The Lord or to, my, to myself? That, to me, I think is what Paul is after here. Uh, with good works, as is proper for women who profess to worship God. If you claim to worship God, you're in... The way you dress, the way you act, the way you behave should reflect the glory of the Lord and not your glory. You're a woman. You're, you're going to be beautiful. There is going to be somebody who's going to be attracted to you. The question is, are you doing things on purpose to attract people to yourself or to the Lord? A woman is to learn quietly with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. This here is uh, one of the arguments that is used um, to basically to back up that women are not allowed to be elders uh, because a requirement of an elder would be to teach. Uh, and so um, this would include, uh, you know, a lot of churches will do this that women can't be at like a lead pastor, but here it seems, according to Timothy, that she shouldn't be in a position of authority over a man. That's that's any man. Um, 
Instead, she is to remain quiet. Now, I don't think he's saying quiet in terms of, like, you're a woman, therefore you can't sing the songs, or you're a woman, therefore you can't um, praise the Lord or say amen or anything like that. Like, I don't think that's what he's saying. Uh, it's, to me, this, this would be talking about remain quiet in terms of teaching. Um, if you think through what we talked about in 1 Corinthians, even that was talking about, like, how like women were interrupting the service, uh, causing distractions. Like again, like I think his intention is like let's keep order in the service, let's keep order when we're gathered, let's allow ourselves to to bring people to draw them to the Lord. Um, and so he says this. This is why he doesn't allow a woman to teach or have authority over a man. It is not because he doesn't think they're qualified. It's not because he thinks that they're not as gifted or skilled has nothing to do with that. He says this, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, and a good sense. So I think that this part where he's talking about being saved through childbearing, like obviously I, I, there is no way on earth he is trying to say that for a woman, it's Jesus plus childbearing. So, like, therefore, if you don't bear a child, you're not saved. Like, that's not what he's saying. Uh, he's saying that for women give birth to children and that they will be saved through childbearing, talking about Jesus. Like, eventually, you're going to give birth to Jesus. Uh, and granted, at this point, he's already been saved. But, like, the, it, it is the childbearing process that allowed for Jesus to come to save us all. That's what I think he's referring to, and that's what it seems like the majority of scholars uh, are backing up. Um, but th either way, uh, the reason is not because uh, they're not gifted or skilled or good orators or have the ability to teach or any of that stuff. Uh, in fact, I know a lot of women who are, are significantly more gifted than most men, and yet um, the reasoning is because Eve was formed second, and she was deceived uh, and transgressed, which is another way to say, you you could say sin. Uh, and so this is uh, kind of where this particular chapter ends, and I know that that's probably um, controversial for some of you. Uh, is, is it true that Christ... Um, uh, sent Mary to tell the good news that he was risen from the dead. Absolutely. Uh, and I think what is important for us to focus on there is this. Uh, when he says, I want men in every place, like he's talking about like the gathering of people. Uh, so like if you believe in... For example, that the only way you can share the gospel is from a pulpit, so to speak, uh, then you would think that women should have the right to teach. Uh, one of the things that I think is that we all have the call to share the gospel, and that includes times when it's just like out in public. And so in those cases, I think women absolutely have the right to be a witness. I think that that's biblical. Jesus sends a woman to testify to the disciples Hey, I'm alive. Um, and I think that that's fair uh, for women to be able to share the gospel. Uh, but it doesn't have to be in 
public settings where there's a crowd uh, with a pulpit. Like, um, uh, and granted, this is some of that is just me processing for myself um, in an effort to say women do have the ability to be witness to the gospel. You you see examples in the, the Book of Acts where Aquila and Priscilla. Um, they take, I think it's Apollos aside, and they share the way of truth rightly with him. And like, that's, that's one-on-one. -on -one. That's, that's perfect. Um, and uh, you, I, I want, even in the case of, of Mary going to the disciples, like she's testifying. She's not preaching. She's not teaching. She's, she's just testifying. Um, Jesus is alive. And that's, there is a difference. Uh, and I think that that is a difference that is important to note. Um, and so with that being said, uh, I do think that this particular set of instructions is specific to when we gather together uh, as Christians and believers. And so um, hopefully uh, this doesn't make you super duper crazy angry, but even if it does, the Bible says it. So I've not, I don't think I've not said anything that this doesn't say. So therefore, uh, let's move on. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, Lord, we, we come before you and we ask that you bless these, these wonderful people, Lord, that uh, you uh, would help them to understand your word, help me to understand your word, help us to obey it. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, help each and every one of us to honor you with our words, with our actions, help us to draw attention to you and not to ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, hopefully you've subscribed to the channel and clicked the little bell so that you can be notified when our videos are available. If you love this channel, we encourage you to make uh, support us, partner with us by clicking the link in the description below. And we will see you again tomorrow. Peace out, Girl Scouts.